There was a man born in the year 1725. 1725. His name was John. They say he was a total wreck. He worked on a ship. He was hated by all his shipmates. He was a raging drunk. He was immoral. And he cussed like a sailor, literally. His nickname was the Great Blasphemer. His captain on the ship said of his language, I quote, not only did he use the worst language I've ever heard, but he created new words that exceeded the limits of verbal debauchery. <laughs> he was so hated that one time when he got drunk and fell overboard, his shipmates didn't even throw him a life preserver or try to help him. John was so rebellious that one time his captain stripped him naked, gave him eight dozen lashes in front of 350 of his shipmates. After that happened, he got so mad that he made a plan to murder his captain and then take his own life. But before he got to execute that plan, a storm hit their ship. And many lost their lives, including John's best friend that was standing right beside him. And it tore him up on the inside. And he cried loudly, Lord, have mercy on us all. God heard him. Saved his life from the storm that night. Historians say he began to read his Bible. And he realized over time that God was real. And he trusted Christ as his personal Savior. And the Lord changed his life entirely. Based on his conversion story, John Newton wrote a song in 1772 that we sang this morning. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. Now you understand why he called himself a wretch. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I want to preach a message to you based on the last line of that famous song. Blind, but now I see. There was a day when John Newton couldn't see. He could see physically, but he couldn't see spiritually. He couldn't see hope. He couldn't see peace. He couldn't see purpose. He, he couldn't see God in anything. He was spiritually blind. But when he cried out, Lord, have mercy on me, the Lord had mercy on him. Saved his soul, opened his eyes and changed his life forever. And I don't have a doubt that there are many who would share the same exact testimony. Many in here today, you were spiritually blind. You remember when you, you, you couldn't see or comprehend the things of God. You were searching through life to find satisfaction in everything but God. And you were tripping over yourself trying to accomplish it. But then you were introduced to Jesus. Somebody introduced you to a Savior that could change your life forever. And you said, Lord, have mercy on me. He saved you. He opened your eyes and he changed your life forever. And you can now sing with joy. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Long before God opened your eyes, though, and long before God opened the eyes of John Newton, he opened the eyes of a blind man from Jericho whose name was Bartimaeus. This blind man was sitting alongside the road begging for money when Jesus passed by. When he heard it was Jesus, he cried out, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus heard him. Jesus stopped. 
And not only opened up his physical eyes, but opened his eyes spiritually and changed Bartimaeus' life forever. We're going to walk through this text together this morning and see what it teaches us about spiritual blindness and how Jesus in an instant can touch the eyes of the lost, open them and change their life forever. Hey, if you're here today and you're still spiritually blind, you're still searching everywhere but God for your fulfillment and your joy and your happiness, but you just keep getting let down. You still feel empty when you come to church. You don't quite feel what you think everybody else is feeling. You don't quite sense the depth of worship and praise and, and you're just missing something and something's not connecting like it seems to be connecting for those up here and those around you. If you might sense that you're spiritually blind today, I got good news for you. You came to the right place. You came to the right place. God wants to open your eyes today. God wants to touch your eyes today. God wants to save your soul today. And I want you to listen very, very carefully to this testimony in a text of a blind man used to be blind, but now he can see. There's three movements in the text, simply the condition of the man, then the cry for mercy, then the compassion of the master. Let's begin in verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Let's begin our study with, with this heading, the condition of the man. He was blind. Blind Bartimaeus is how we know him today. Bartimaeus was the son of Timaeus. Bar means son. Timaeus was his father's name, Bar Timaeus. He had never known what it was like to, to see a sunset or to look at trees or to see the flow of a river. He had never seen the moon or the, the stars at night. He lived in this narrow world of darkness. But as terrible as physical blindness is, I believe spiritual blindness is even worse. The Bible talks about the blindness of the mind in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Ephesians 4.18 describes those without Christ as having their understanding darkened. Hear me this morning, not to know Jesus as your personal Savior is to be spiritually blind. It's to be unable to see. Here's the truth. People all around you today, even in this room, can see quite well with their physical eyes, but not with their spiritual eyes. There are many in this world and in this community and maybe even this, this building this morning that don't have the, the real apprehension of the horror of their sin. They can't see where sin is going to lead them. They can't see what sin is doing to them. They have no vision of what it means to face the wrath to come against sin. The Bible says there's a judgment coming. The wrath of God revealed from heaven against sin. But the spiritually blind have no perception of that. See, Bartimaeus would have been in constant danger as a blind man. Because at times he might get to the edge of a precipice and not know that it was even there. In the same way, those who are spiritually blind are in danger of spending eternity apart from the Lord Jesus Christ in a real place called the lake of fire. The truth is they could be standing on the precipice of eternal destruction right now and not even know it or see it. That's the danger of being spiritually blind. 
But the verse doesn't just describe Bartimaeus as a blind man. No, because of his blindness, he was also a beggar. Blindness had, had lowered Bartimaeus to poverty. In fact, if you were born blind or became blind in this day, it was because you were being cursed for your sin, according to Jewish theology. Therefore, the blind and others that were disabled were not assisted by their, by their community. They were cast off as sinners. They couldn't get a job because nobody would hire them. So they had to make a living begging for money. But just as bad as physical poverty is, spiritual poverty is even worse. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, humankind fell to the spiritual poverty level. The Bible talks about having the poverty of your soul. It's, it's possible for someone, listen, to be here today that is physically and materially well off, yet to be spiritually bankrupt and in the moral poorhouse. Their lives, their, their souls are like an empty pocket. And it's like it's been turned inside out and emptied of everything of worth and value. They may dress nice and they may live in a nice home and they may drive in a nice car here. And they may on the outside look like they have everything together. But on the inside, they're as hollow as an empty pocket. To be lost means to be spiritually blind and spiritually broke. Spiritually sightless and spiritually penniless. Bartimaeus was both. But on this particular day, he heard there was going to be quite the procession coming through Jericho. He heard that a man named Jesus was coming through with his disciples and the rest of those that decided to follow him. He knew this would be an opportunity to not beg for money, but to beg for mercy. He knew he had one shot today, this day, at getting Jesus' attention because he knew where Jesus was headed. He was headed to Jerusalem and he wasn't going to come back to Jericho. And he couldn't miss the opportunity. He was going to make the most of it. And that's what he did. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. We've seen the condition of the man. Now we see the cry for mercy. The word cry there is not a word used to describe this delicate or polite or culturally acceptable request. He wasn't minding his manners. It's a word that, that means to literally scream out loud. See, Bartimaeus wanted to get Jesus' attention. He wanted his voice to be heard above the rest of the crowd. And notice what he cried out at the top of his lungs. Jesus, thou son of David. See, by what Bartimaeus called Jesus, he showed that he actually had more insight into the identity of Christ than some people around him who had eyes with 20-20 vision. He didn't refer to him as just another rabbi or just a miracle worker. Or just a scribe or a really good man. He recognized his deity. He called him by the son of David, his royal name, the Messiah. And notice what he said next. Have mercy on me. See, Bartimaeus didn't demand his rights. We seem to be living in a society when people are demanding their rights. Everybody's got their rights. I, I've got news for you. I don't want my rights when it comes to spiritual matters. 
If I got my rights, I'd be in hell and you would be too. Every one of us deserves the wrath of God. Hey, we have no right to God's forgiveness today. We have no right to heaven. We have no right to salvation. What you and I need this morning is not our rights. We need the mercy of God. And here's the good news about asking God for his mercy. He has plenty of it. Lamentation said, these are the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fell not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Ephesians says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Hey, if you're spiritually blind today, you won't be made whole because of something you said or because of something you did. You'll be made whole because of the mercy of Jesus Christ upon your life. Bartimaeus teaches us that if we need Jesus... The first step is to cry out for his mercy. Well, apparently Bartimaeus was so insistent with his cry to Jesus that he was rather annoying and even embarrassing to the crowd around him. Look at verse 48. And many charged him. That doesn't mean they asked him. They commanded him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Do you get the scene? I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if the text would have said a few people told him to be quiet. But it said many told him. The majority of the crowd said, Bartimaeus, stop. Bartimaeus, hush. Bartimaeus, quieter. Inside voice. Don't say another word. You're embarrassing us. This is, this is Jesus but the verse says that the more they told him to stop, the louder he got. You like those kind of people in your life? <laughs> well, in this case, it was the right thing to do. Bart, be quiet. Jesus, have mercy on me. Bart. Jesus, have mercy on me. Dude, someone's standing in front of him. Jesus, have mercy on me. Until finally it got Jesus's attention. See, I love the example of Bartimaeus here. If you want to be saved, don't let anybody talk you out of it. You want to come to Jesus? Don't let anything get in your way. See, the devil will try to stifle your cry for mercy. The world will try to mock you and even drown you in its pleasures to keep you from crying out to God. Religion, I have found, will, will try to quench your, your search lest you disturb their ceremonies or rituals or traditions. I've even found that the voice of regret will shout at you. You've done too much and you've gone too far to be forgiving. God will never accept you. You might as well just be quiet at this point in your life. Hey, don't listen to the voice of the devil and don't listen to the voice of the world and don't listen to the voice of religion and don't Listen to the voice of regret. If you want to be saved today, don't let anything or anybody keep you from crying out to Jesus. Don't even let your pride keep you from crying out. Which I found is maybe the number one obstacle to overcome for people today. It's not that people are saying, oh, don't go to Jesus. It's that their pride is saying, don't go to Jesus. A sense of self-sufficiency and self-dependence, the thought of actually humbling themselves to cry out to Jesus is frightening to their inner man because it's them having to admit they don't have it all together. 
It's them having to admit they're lost. It's them having to admit they can't get themselves to heaven. And that very thought, especially in a public place, just doesn't sit well. Don't let your pride keep you from crying out to Jesus today. Bartimaeus saw his opportunity. Wasn't going to let it pass him by. So he just kept crying out. And I love how he got Jesus' attention. Look at the first phrase of verse 49. And Jesus stood still. See, the cry for mercy will stop deity dead in its tracks. Did you hear me? The cry for mercy will stop deity dead in its tracks. God's ear is in tune to the cry of one lost sinner who wants to be saved. We've seen the condition of the man, the cry for mercy, and now we see the compassion of the master. See, I don't think many people cared anything about blind Bartimaeus. He wasn't the kind of person that a lot of folks wanted to be around. He couldn't do much for them. He wasn't outstanding. He was a leech in their eyes, so they ignored him. Yet the Lord of glory heard his cry. God in the flesh stopped what he was doing and invited Bartimaeus to come to him. Out of the hundreds of people that were clamoring for the Savior's attention that day, influential people, powerful people, popular people, famous people, rich people, it was the blind beggar that got it. Understand that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die. We're going to turn the page in, in Mark chapter 11 next Sunday. And he's going to enter Jerusalem. Do you understand what's going through his mind? He's fulfilling his destiny. His mind is going 100 miles per hour as his heart is filled and overflowing with sorrow for what awaits him. I mean, couldn't you understand if Jesus decided just to keep walking this one time? He had more important things to do, like die for the sins of the entire world. But he stopped. He stopped. And it wasn't just him. He brought this gigantic caravan of people to a screeching halt so he could minister to one man. And this isn't the first time he stopped just for one. Luke chapter 15 contains three carefully crafted stories that all make the same point. Jesus cares for the one. The one lost sheep, the one lost coin, the one lost son. And he will rejoice when just one lost sinner comes to repentance. And not just him, but all of heaven rejoices. No, Jesus stopped for one woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus stopped to heal one man being lowered through the roof. Jesus went all the way to the country of the Gadareans to, to, to heal one demon-possessed man. Jesus stopped what he was doing on his journey to listen to one man about his one daughter. His name was Jairus. He had a 12-year-old daughter. Marched all the way to, to her house to, to heal one little girl. On his way, Jesus stopped amidst all of the crowd and everybody bumping into him. He noticed one sick lady that touched his garment. Just one. Jesus wept over the death of one friend named Lazarus. Even on the cross, Jesus cared about the one as he saved the thief next to him. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus cares about the one. I'm thankful if I was the only one in all the world who was a sinner, he would have died on the cross just for me. 
How many are thankful that when you cried out for mercy, Jesus stopped? Jesus had compassion on your soul. You know what we do well to do? To, to learn the art of stopping. See, people in society today, we don't know how to stop. We're too busy to stop. Our calendar's too full to stop. We're too tired just to stop and pay attention to somebody else's needs. We're too hurried. We're too busy. We're trying to be so productive that we're really not productive for eternity sometimes. We need to stop and listen to the cries of the one. We need to, we need to stop and hear the cry of the young person who doesn't have a father in the home. We need to hear the cry of a single mom who's exhausted trying to raise her kids alone. We need to hear the cry of the addict who thinks his life is worth nothing. We need to hear the cry of the teenager who feels so unloved. We need to hear the cry today of the couple whose marriage is falling apart. We need to hear the cry of the widow who's missing the companionship of her spouse. We need to hear the cry of the parent whose child has turned their back on them and went their own way. There are cries for mercy around us every single day, but we're often too busy to hear them. And if we do hear them, we lack the compassion to stop and help them. I'm thankful Jesus stopped for me. I'm thankful that though he had a universe to sustain. When he heard a seven-year-old boy cry out for mercy right behind this building at 326 Beach Street at the edge of his daddy's bed, all of heaven stood still to have mercy on my soul and to save me. It's exactly what he did for Bartimaeus. Look at verse 50. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Can you see Bartimaeus as he got up? When they came to him and said, Jesus wants to see you. What was going through his mind? To think that Jesus was interested in him. He knew it was a long shot. But for it to happen, he was so excited he left his garment and ran to Jesus. And the Lord asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus knew exactly what he wanted. Lord, would you give me my sight? And Jesus said, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Do you see how Jesus put faith into the situation? See, grace is the hand that extends salvation to us. But faith is the hand that reaches out to receive it. That's what happened here. Bartimaeus had faith in who Jesus was. And Jesus, by grace, gave him what he needed. Yes. Ephesians 2.8 confirms this is how salvation takes place. For by grace are ye saved through faith. God sent his son by grace. You didn't ask for him to send a son. But you needed for him to send a son. And in grace he sent his son. But you know how you receive it? Through faith. Through believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God. The son of David. The Messiah. The savior of the world. He's not just another good man. He's not just another figurehead. He's not just another religious 
person or religious figure. Hear me. He's the very son of God that died on an old rugged cross for your sins, was buried for three days and three nights, but rose again to give you victory over death and sin and the grave so that you could have eternal life in heaven. You do not have to get baptized to get Jesus. You do not have to uh, do anything good to get Jesus. You do not have to give in the offering plate to, to, get, to get Jesus, though I would appreciate if you do that today. You do not have to sing nice and, and dress nice and, and be nice. Hey, all you got to do is in your heart believe that he is indeed the son of God and you got to believe that what he did on the cross is enough to save your wretched soul. Yeah. And when Bartimaeus did that, I love what verse 52 says. Jesus said to him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. Right on the spot. Sight flooded through his darkened eyes. Guess whose face he saw first? Wow. We don't get to see Jesus' face until we die, but maybe the first face we'll see when we open our eyes is Jesus. But Bartimaeus on earth, on the soil of the Jericho Road, opened his eyes and the first thing he saw was not the trees or the rivers or the mountains or the animals. It was the face of the one that just changed his life forever. And it didn't take five minutes. And, and, and he didn't say, now, 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 Bartimaeus, we're partially there, but I need you to, I need you to run to the Jericho River to get dunked real quick. Okay, you organize a service. And by the way, after you get dunked, I need you to take communion. Make sure you get that communion in and then I'll, I'll let you see. So I'll give you, I'll give you your left eye. As soon as you get baptized, I'll give you your right eye. As soon as you take that bread and drink of that wine, buddy. Didn't say that. Those ordinances are precious, by the way. But they're symbolic only. What you're going to see happen at the end of our service is not anything magical that saves the person jumping in that, that, that tank today. It's symbolic. It's telling the church, this is what's already happened to me on the inside through my faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And by the way, you don't have to get your act together before you come to Jesus. No, you don't have to give your act together to get saved. You place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and instantly you're saved. That doesn't mean your life gets good instantly. Doesn't mean all the problems in your life go away instantly. It doesn't even mean your behavior and habits change instantly. But it means you become a child of God instantly. On the spot, a child of God. And watch, as you yield to God as your father, your desires begin to change. And your wants begin to change. And your habits begin to change. And, and the chains of addiction can be broken now because the power of sin doesn't reign over your life anymore. I'm just trying to say it's good to be saved. I, I, I want you to, to notice the last phrase in verse 52, and I'll be done. And immediately he received a sight and followed Jesus in the way. Don't miss that. He received his sight. He didn't go back to begging. He wasn't a beggar anymore. He received his sight. What did he do? He went to following Jesus because that's what saved people do. Jesus isn't a cosmic Santa Claus. 
Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle. You don't say, Jesus, just fix my life and then adios. Save people, get their sight, and then they can't get enough of Jesus after that. They're not perfect, but they try their best to follow Jesus in the way. And I'm imagining the whole time people are chattering. That's the man we just told to shut up. And now, see him up there? He's rubbing shoulders with the son of David. He was blind, but now he can see. For those that are saved in here today, can I ask you a question? Can the lost world see your life and say they were once blind, but now they can see? Can they look at you and say, oh, he's following Jesus in the way? Can your coworkers look at you and say, yeah, he's following Jesus in the way? Can your fellow church members look at you and say, he's following Jesus in the way? Can your family members look at you and say, he's following Jesus in the way? Or have you stopped following Jesus Christ? You know, if Christ has given you spiritual sight, I believe you should be bringing other blind people to him. They're all around you. You just got to, you got to be willing to stop. You got to learn the art of stopping and listening and having compassion. Reminds me of a story about a medical missionary who performed surgery on a poor blind man and the surgery was successful, restored his sight. Sometime after the operation, the man disappeared. Story says a few days later, the medical missionary opened his front door. And there was the man that had his sight restored through the surgery. And the man had a rope in his hand. Story says on that rope were 10 more blind people. If Jesus has made you see, it's incumbent on you to get a rope. And help other people find and follow Jesus. Get them to the front door of the person that can change their life forever. How selfish of us to find Jesus, to have him open our eyes, for him to save a wretch like me and you, and to never put anybody else on the road. I hope you learn the art of stopping today if you're safe. See, this week, you're going to have an opportunity to hear the cry. And you're going to be faced with the choice. When you hear the cry, will you stop or will you keep on walking? See, we can keep walking even while doing good things. Jesus was doing kingdom work on the way to die for the sins of the world. But he still stopped. Because good things didn't keep him from the best thing in that moment. If you're not saved in here, I plead with you to get saved today. If you understand the gospel enough, that Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again. And on the cross, what happened is he, he took his righteousness and gave it to you. And he took on your sin. It was just a substitute. And if you'll believe that and you'll accept that, remember faith is receiving. His grace has already been shown. Faith is receiving. If you'll receive that by faith today, you can be saved and changed forever. And people all around you want that to happen. We're cheering for you today. We want to do that today. We, we, we want to be able to celebrate like heaven would celebrate if one sinner came to repentance today. Well, I'll do it next week. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Don't be so arrogant that you think you'll have till next Sunday.
You never know. I never pressure you, but if God is speaking to your heart today, we're going to offer you an opportunity to get saved. Brother Sid, one of our pastoral staff members, will be standing at the front. Our instruments will be playing and Brother Daniel will be singing. And you'll have an opportunity to join Christians right here at the altar. Just come to Brother Sid and tell him, man, I want to get saved today. You won't say anything out loud. We won't embarrass you. won't even stay out here. We'll take you to a room, explain to you how you can know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Would you do that today? If you don't know, would you let Christ touch your spiritual eyes and open them? Man, I'm praying. I've been praying all week that you would. And then if you're saved, I hope that, that, that preaching through the testimony of blind Bartimaeus has reminded you of what God did in your life. I hope that it'll bring you to your knees at an altar thanking him for his amazing grace that broke your chains of sin. Let's stand to our feet every head bowed.